All right, and we are live. Woo, 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 woo. Welcome to another episode of At The Bar Podcast. As usual, I am one of your hosts, Mike, and joining me today, handsome as with ever. The, with the awesome sound effects, the siren master. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> it's Hollywood, everybody. <laughs> hey, it's me. So we we've been we've been kind of slacking by we I mean I've been kind of slacking I got I got the flu I got these episodes like fucking shit's crazy, but we're finally back at it after a I don't even think it's a hiatus we're just not really shit's well, we take one week off yeah <laughs> yeah hey man give us a break all right yeah, we're God. trying God we got awesome shit coming in the future so it's gonna we're be legit. busy and stuff yeah we got lives so anyway welcome to another episode whatever number this is gonna end up being. It is like what 800. It is. I think we're at 800 or so. Uh, so we have anticipation for what's coming up in the near future with episodes. We want to do another classic filler episode. <laughs> news! News, news, news. <laughs> news, news, news. So there's been a lot happening. Holy shit, Jeff. I don't know if it's if it's been 2018 by itself just being a fucking crazy year or the industry is just... But there is so much going on right now. So much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So much we're and we're gonna cover four of those so much is going on topics. And let's let's just go oh dude, we gotta go what we're drinking, bro. What do you, what what you got uh what y'all on that palette? What are we drinking? What are we, drinking? we have uh this is a great Adirondack brewing company, white face stout. So I haven't tried it yet. It is open, seven percent alcohol. Uh-huh uh yeah so i'm gonna try it now but it's uh it's i guess it's supposed to be pretty good and you got that from new york or virginia correct i got this from cassie's uh relatives up in new york okay. i am looking it is lake placid new york <laughs> yep yankee beer <laughs> oh like the yankee yeah like the yankees need any more support than they already have from me oh dude this could be a great season so how's how's the uh how's the beer it's good. Very good. Yeah. I don't know exactly what white face stout is because it's dark in color and I don't, but it's, it's still a great stout. Which is funny because we didn't plan. I snagged a beer out of the fridge because I was like, I saw it. I was like, I really want to have that. It's, I got two cans from Mr. Jeff. This is my last one. It's the Big Ditch Cinnamon Apple Amber. And boy. Mm. Yes. This, this is so good. Yeah, that is a nice little beer. We're all out of those, in case you're wondering. <laughs> My only problem with it is that on the front it says an amber ale. Mm-hmm. But if you twist it about 90 degrees and look on the very bottom, it has an India Pale Ale on the back. Interesting. Yep. Fun it's fact. It's definitely more amber-esque than definitely not. But like, I'm going to show Jeff in the camera, which you guys can't see, but you can see amber ale right there under cinnamon apple uh-huh cinnamon apple like amber ale. yeah yeah follow me here but right on the same can i india indian pale ale ain't that some shit india pale ale wow those tricksters but yeah. but i'm saying the actual beer itself when you drink it, it drinks way more very like much amber, amber than anything else yeah very much amber and so that's i like the combination of a cinnamon and an apple and an amber it's something i, I don't think i've ever had before and the flavors work very well so this is a great beer and uh, you know i'm happy to uh be having the second of of the two that you uh brought down mm-hmm. for me 
Cassie so. came here just for you to say thanks for uh, for getting that beer. Oh, which beer? The one you're drinking. Oh, she wants me. <laughs> you want me to say thanks? Thanks, Cassie. <laughs> she didn't actually say that. I was just making that up. Oh, okay. I, see I got my whole little family in here, man. I got the both dogs on the bed and Cassie's here. Crazy. Doing stuff. So anyway. And that the bar family. <laughs> anyway, first let's go on the first topic and let's do sure. uh BP? Let's do let's do yeah, let's do the BP one. <laughs> BP so title. We were on Beer Street Journal. I would say probably my favorite website to go on for, for current news. Um title is Ballast Point will be Disneyland's first on site brewery. And Disneyland is in Anaheim, not the one in Orlando. Yeah, you so Florida this beer is, drinkers don't go crazy. So I thought this was an interesting move uh in, in a lot of different ways. One Disneyland is getting on the craft craft scene, and I'm surprised they went with the BP, the Ballast Point. With I'm all not the... so much, not so much surprised about that, but that's but we'll continue and then yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll circle go. back. So the the reason why I think this happened is because we all covered in the, one of our early early episodes we covered the Ballast Point buyout for a record breaking a billion dollars. So Constellation Corona. Uh, the parent company of Corona bought Ballast Point for a billion dollars. I I feel like that had a lot to do with Ballast Point getting in Disney, and the fact that I I feel like Ballast Point's pricing is very Disney esque in terms of a six pack of Sculpin is sixteen or is fifteen ninety nine, at least here in Orlando, and I'm assuming down in Jupiter where you're at too. It's pretty much sixteen dollars for a six pack of beer, which is pretty unheard of in the craft beer scene. Yeah, it's pretty uncommon. And for a brewery like Ballast Point that's available everywhere that brews on such a massive scale to sell their IPA for, you know, their flagship IPA and the variants for $16 is, is pretty, as asking a lot. And I'm, a guy, I, and I'm a guy who buys a $30 bomber without hesitation. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so aren't, aren't we all? Yeah. <laughs> so I think, I think. Uh, going into the article, um, it's going to say uh, it's, it's going to be in the downtown Disney, which is Orlando. We have Disney Springs. Uh, I'm assuming Anaheim has still has a downtown Disney name, but it's essentially Correct. just a shopping, a shopping slash restaurant right. area. Of Disney, Not in the park. The park, park is still dry. So the park is all right. is dry. It's always been dry. So it's it's in the downtown Disney area. But did you see the size of this place? Seventy three hundred square foot tasting room. Yeah. That good is lord, bonkers, dude. <laughs> bonkers. Like, what? She, and, and so it's only it's uh it's only an R and D brewery, ninety gallons. Uh, so it's just gonna be for them to tinker around and mess around with new stuff, and then all of their hundred taps are gonna be provided from outside of their you know. So they're not they're not brewing on site for their hundred taps. Is basically what I'm saying. Yeah. It's uh but I don't know what percentage of those hundred taps is going to be ballast point or not, but either way, man, Holy mother of God, 7,300 square foot tasting that's room. Massive. That's huge. I mean, Jesus. That's, oh, dude, imagine how to clean that every night. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, you know you're but, in a hospitality background when that's the first oh, thing you shit. think of, right? Yeah, I got to clean that every night, like mop Good the floors. Luck. But that's shit. crazy, man. I mean, 100 taps, we've talked about it before. 100 taps is is a lot. Wait. That's 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 almost to the point where, I mean, it's it, it's past the point, in my opinion, where, you know, you're you're I, I think you're losing out on on your opportunity cost of how many taps you should have you're just competing with yourself at that point but when you have 7300 square feet and 225 seats maybe you need 100 taps i don't know i mean good lord yeah. that's a big place i mean they have to be pulling like it can't just be all bass point beers to, to, you know to to right. fill that 100 taps like all the time all year like they don't have only, 100 only beers. so many so, beers you can make. Yeah, you're, you're limited to yeah. what you can produce. So they have to be pulling from other places. And I'm, I'm, I'm super curious to see what they do pull and, and, and kind of how they, how they, um, I mean, I wonder if they're going to have Corona on tap. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, and Modelo. But the idea behind it, I, I, I respect, I actually really like the idea. I like the idea of a craft brewery, uh, specifically R&D with the purpose of R and D being in a highly tourist area for the, for the purpose of getting people hooked on craft beer. And, and yes, Ballast Point BP is big beer. Yes, I get it. But you know, if you look at the numbers, big beer still owns 85, 80 to 85% of the market. So for people to make the transition from a Bud Light to a Sculpin, it's still a step forward for craft in terms of the identity of what craft is. And that's I why I really forward. like it. It's a big step forward. Just switch from a Bud Light cores, what Corona to a Sculpin, a pineapple Sculpin, or anything like that. Yeah, you know that's a big step forward. And I think uh, in the end of the day, I think that's a huge that's a huge win for craft beer, despite Ballast Point being considered big beer. Yeah, well, and and they're not yet. I mean, they're they're producing at a very high level. They're expanding at a very fast pace, but they're not they're not macro yet and uh you know i think they're just i think they're an exception they're they really do a good job they've they're having insane um growth expansion i mean out to uh out to where was the virginia yeah they have a brewery in virginia we have a facility daleville virginia i've been to it it's gigantic it's it's probably 7300 square feet it's probably not that big actually it's probably more like 4,800 or something. I don't really know. This is all just a guess, but <laughs> that, I've seen a 4,800 square foot restaurant before. And I thought this place is massive. That, that number is still just staggering 7,300 yeah. square feet. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that the fact that they have this facility in Virginia, that's beautiful. It's gigantic. It's right on the side of a mountain. Um, the views are incredible. And then within a year I mean, it was only two years ago they sold for a billion dollars. Yeah, only so, two years, yeah. So within a within two years, they've now got the second facility, this gigantic place in Virginia. Now they've got a third R&D brewery that they're opening up that just happens to be in probably the most, you know, touristy area in, in California, in sure. downtown Disney. Yep. And, you know, how fast can you expand? This is within a two-year period. So, yes, they're getting to the point where, you know, People might start throwing out the big beer thing on them, but they're not, they're not big beer yet. They're still just doing, they're doing what they do at an exceptional, exceptional rate. And they're, I'm, I'm impressed because I haven't, you know, I haven't still haven't had anything bad from them. 
So, yeah, they're now, really do you still think, doing a good job. Now, do you think Disney Springs here in Orlando will kind of follow suit? And if if you do think so, what maybe maybe not what eight what one brewery, but like maybe throw out a couple breweries that you might see kind of possibly duplicate that scenario in here in Orlando. Okay, so assuming that there's not some kind of uh, uh, partnership agreement with Ballast Point that would make Ballast Point be the, the one that does it in Orlando, yeah. um, I would say the next logical option is obviously Cigar City. Okay, uh, okay, interesting. Just because I think with Cigar City being one, already kind of been outsourcing some of their stuff, um, and, and they're they're on a much higher production level than anybody else in the state. Um, that I think that's the logical choice, especially with proximity to Orlando being so close as well. Um, so I would say Cigar City would be a, a really logical choice for that. Okay. Um, and would they and they have the national reputation to go with it. But if I were to guess, I would say if they did that, one, I'm not going to say that the Disney Springs thing in Orlando would be even close to as big of a project or as cool of an undertaking as the one out in Anaheim is. I think that's a much bigger deal in downtown Disney at, at Disneyland than uh-huh. Disney Springs is in Orlando. Um, just because I don't think that Disney Springs is that big of a thing. But um, I could be wrong. You know, yeah. uh, I would say it would stick with Ballast Point. I think if they're going to do it, okay. they're going to do it at both places. Okay. Okay. Is that your final answer? <laughs> that is my final answer. Okay. So what I think, I think it's definitely, I think it's going to happen. Right. I think Disney Springs will get a a big brewery that's well known within the industry to open a some sort of a production facility, whether it's R and D, whether it's just a second maybe through location because to capture that market. Cause that, I mean, the numbers don't lie in terms of the amount of people who go to Disney and the amount of people who go in Disney Springs and what's around that area. My guess, I would not say cigar city. I would say if a brewery is going in there, it will be constellation. It's going to be funky Buddha. I yeah. think funky Buddha would open another facility and just capture and control the Florida market. With, especially in that area too and to me that would I guess just... owner yeah i mean i guess the the bigger umbrella corporation the bigger ownership you know the mother the mothership would make that decision on who they'd want um and if that's the contract is with consolation then it would make sense i don't know to me it seems like if you're going to do the way disney seems to operate it's more like if you're going to do one thing here we're going to do it over there yeah so, i mean that could I be, could see uh, it being balanced. Point. They could say, with, "Yeah, I mean, both are constellation brands, um, and Ballast Point is is definitely a heavy hitter in the California market, right? Uh, and you know, that's not that's pretty much you know clear as crystal. And Funky Buddha is a, a huge brand here, and to my knowledge, constellation Funky Buddha is the only footprint in Florida craft. It, it, you know, for them is that Funky Buddha yeah, is no, their, their only good. account. That's so, definitely a good. Uh, that's a good point." So they could do Ballast Point controls the West, Funky Buddha controls, you know, the East Coast. They should just I guess. they should swap. That'd be oh, dude. Really stand oh there. yeah, really or, yeah. Or they can do uh, exchange taps and have fifty taps about Ballast Point and fifty Funky. <laughs> <laughs> That's a bar I would go to. 
Yeah. <laughs> and pay $9 for a 10 ounce pour of uh, Last Snow. Or should be like $15. Yeah, right. So uh, let's go to the next topic here. Let's do let's do Highland. This is kind of, this is a semi big deal for uh uh and a, a brewery that holds used to hold a, a dear place in my heart. The Highland Brewing out of Asheville has done a complete massive rebranding, and I'm just gonna go out there and speak for hey, myself hold on, here. Hold on. Yeah. About that. Yo. <laughs> Yeah, sorry about that, dude. There's a there's a large ass fucking bang downstairs. It sounded like somebody was like breaking into our house. Our dogs went fucking nuts. What was it? It just sounded like a large, like I don't know. It sounded like a big bang, like downstairs. It sounded like somebody was breaking in or something. But I don't know. Everything there's nothing nothing going on. But maybe a branch from one of the trees fell and hit something. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, the dogs went nuts, and I thought somebody was breaking into the house. <laughs> Well, thankfully, that's not happening. So anyway, so, I'm sorry. We're gonna have to edit that out. Yeah, I know, gonna, I know, that's annoying. Yeah, we're gonna we'll uh, you know, cut in here. All right. So this <laughs> Highland. Anyway, Highland. so this brewery held a very near dear place in my heart when I first started craft. This is one of the first breweries that I that I've had uh, when I was getting into craft beer or super early on was was Highland, and they did a a massive and I would say complete rebrand of all of their cans their logo the bottles um and i'm gonna speak for myself here and say it's horrid <laughs> it's awful jeff why they do uh, it <laughs> come on it's so bad. Well, i know why they did it because their for their original branding was not anything to write home about either but i don't i don't understand why they've got all this they, i mean they have decent beers but they have like the least imaginative branding i've ever seen in my life on and now then they just redid it oh, and it's, God, it's, it's so equally bad. unimaginative uh, i i don't really get it i don't it's, know it's but yeah the same picture in, in but in different colors <laughs> like the mountain range that is correct with three different colors and it's one of those like the 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 scotsman wasn't wasn't a good logo but it was a bad logo but it was it's very it was very iconic the scotsman and the highland logo was super iconic anyone in crap here could have pointed it out from miles away that's highland right their their beers weren't aren't good never blew me away but they were always good i've always enjoyed them. the gaelic was like the first one i was oh shit this is really different and then their oatmeal porter and their darker beers are all very pretty good um I had their uh, double watch, double chocolate stout the other day. It was it was great. It was like a chocolate bomb. But as I was reading the article here, they've, uh, I guess the daughter of the founder kind of took over and felt that it's been 20 years since they've changed the look and now is a good time to change it. And they just changed everything and I hate it. I completely agree with her though. I agree with her that it's been 20 years and just like everything we've ever talked about in this industry everybody gets like so stagnant with like we're doing it we're doing it we're doing it everything's going good and then everyone else catches up and ends up passing you yeah. like it happened it happened with all these different bar chains and these different because craft beer is always and ever evolving all the time and people are Every day, yeah. creating if you would have asked anyone what five six years ago about like these crazy s'mores, whatever stouts and these, cra- I mean, 
the insane yeah. things that people are making, they'd all be like, you're fucking nuts. Like, what are you talking? Like stouts are just stouts. And this, you know, like, yeah, there was a little bit of experimentation, but there's nothing to the degree of what we're doing now. Oh, so, yeah. so the fact that they hadn't changed in 20 years in the Asheville market, like, come on, like they have to do something. I get where she was going with it. I get that they did need a rebrand. And I also do think that as much as they did have solid beers, when you're in a, uh, a watered down beer market, when you've got tons of bars with, you know, 500 plus beers, they were lost on the shelf and they were largely just becoming shelf turns because you would never yeah. even look twice at a Highland beer because there were so many more interesting things on the shelf all the time. Yeah. So I get why, you know, unless that is literally like your hometown favorite, you grew up on Highland beers and you just love the Gaelic ale so much that you've got to grab it, or you really love their black mocha stout. So you buy it in six packs every time you're at the liquor store. Like I get that, but that's the only market that they have because otherwise the experimental beer drinker isn't grabbing their stuff. The person who's just looking at bottle art and saying what looks interesting isn't grabbing their stuff. The you know it's just the enthusiasts aren't grabbing their stuff, so they needed to do something, right? And I I agree with you on that one hundred percent. I agree with you that they they've definitely taken a more of a, a shelf turd uh, mentality in terms of the market because they're not they're not ahead of the curve and they're not on the curve. They're behind the curve, and and that's a very bad place to be in a market that's that's going as fast as craft beer, mm-hmm. especially in Asheville. Wicked Weed, say what you want about the buyout. We don't give a fuck. We've addressed it. Is on the forefront of not only changing in terms of being creative, but still they're still making killer. Some of the best hours you can get. Wicked Weed. I mean, and then uh, Burial. Right. Conti- yeah, I was going to say continue. Has, <laughs> uh, Burial has, has made such a climb from two years ago being just kind of like this new brewery that is kind of like, oh, have you tried the note? To, well, to where Burial is probably the number one brewery in the Asheville area or in the greater Asheville area. And then you have Fanta Flora, which I've never been to, but I hear great things. Like, you got you to gotta keep up with the curve or else you can't bitch when the sales don't happen because you're not being experimented. You're just brewing the same shit all year. And not only that, bored. not only that, but even if you want to just be the old reliable standard, everybody knows us and we're going to be, you know, that one that everybody knows in this market while all these other innovators come in and try to do their thing. Well, guess what? You already screwed that up because now Sierra Nevada and New Belgium have breweries there. So yep. your market just got inundated, not only by the young up and coming crazy, awesome breweries that are doing crazy stuff, but you also have two heavy hitters that are both more popular than you also in your market. And you can't get by on just your reputation unless, I mean, these people who get stagnant being, being high end people. And it is a matter of months before somebody else comes and tries to do it better than you. And that's, that's just a fact. And that's, I think what they faced 20 years of not rebranding 20 years of literally not really adding anything to their portfolio. I mean, I know I've known the Gaelic ale, the black mocha. I've known the oatmeal porter. I've known St. Teresa's. I mean, do they have anything new? It looks like Daycation IPA is something. Maybe I don't know. Mandarina IPA. Mandarina IPA is something. Maybe I don't know. Um, Because wow. So, so the whole world is getting IPA crazy and they add two IPAs to their portfolio. And that's the only thing they've done in 20 years. So it's like, yeah, 
maybe you needed a rebrand. Maybe you needed to do something, but that doesn't make the rebrand great. <laughs> right. And, and that's what I'm, I'm having a hard time understanding is, you know, these breweries have to, like, I've, I've said a lot of times that, you know, you can make brew, good beer, but you may not run a good business. And we've kind of hinted at that kind of, if not have said it directly of, of people who make great beer or some of the don't make good business decisions. And I feel that like, I don't understand why these breweries who've been along, been around for a while. Don't, they have to see the trends. They have to be able to see the trends and they have, and, but I don't know why they wait so long to get on that trend. And that comes to the curve scenarios. Highland's been around for over 20 years. Why are they coming? Why are they coming out with new beers? Like just recently when like all these new styles and, 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 have come and gone and you fall behind and that's the problem with sierra nevada's happening is sierra nevada is just starting to come out with new beer three years too late <laughs> well and, and the beers they had been coming out with you know prior to their push is they were all pretty much you know treatments styles. of things treatments of things they already had or different version of a beer they already had or or you know yeah traditional styles and to be honest with you, none of them were like blow you away good. Like they were doing, you know, Sierra Nevada has the pale ale that they just make all their money on. And we've talked about this before. They don't, there's that, they could take that and go in two directions. They could say we have this and so we're we're golden and that's what they did. And yeah, yeah they expanded and yeah, they did some cool stuff here and there, but they didn't take that guaranteed money and say now we can just put out crazy awesome stuff yes because that's what and the that's market what wants should, that's what the market wants but they didn't do that and that's what they should have done it's like okay we have all this money it's guaranteed coming in maybe we'd make a little bit less but we're gonna make a lot more great cool beer and just keep trying to hit that market hard and end up with something that's a heavy hitter end yeah. up with a freaking you know crazy uh, like end up with a heady topper end up with something that like the world goes crazy for yeah you have the capacity you have the money but why are you just like oh we're just good we're just gonna stay with the same old shit and that's where the barrel of monks episode that was so blown away by barrel of monks is so impressed because all these breweries american breweries making belgian beers just make a traditional double a traditional triple tra traditional quad but they put a twist on it and the twist is what really completely sold me into what barrel monks is doing is that they do a sour belgian blonde with guava and passion fruit that you don't see anywhere in belgian beers at all well and, and, and all their and all their ingredients are coming from europe and they're actually getting yes. real real belgian beer ingredients they're getting their ingredients from europe so you know i, I think that that's it there i you know I I can't say enough good things about them. This is two non-Belgian beer drinkers yeah. who have done I, nothing but rant, rant about how great this about brewery is. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it, they are incredible. But and that's um, you know I'm not asking for a s'more stout with every brewery. Just give me something different. It can be hey, here's our Gaelic ale with honeydew melon, or here's our oatmeal porter with stuff in it. Like just give me something <laughs> like. Here's our black moments that with vanilla. And not cocoa nibs. And please, yeah. God, not coconut. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. But, like, just say, hey, this is Highlands Gaelic with honey or the oatmeal. Like, just a slight variation of a style would make me buy because I'm like, shit, I've had Gaelic hundreds of times. I want to know what the treatment is. And just bottle it. The, the Gaelic's already being made. You're just treating it. That's yeah, what but I even don't get. that. 
even that's not at this point it's not enough because that's that is essentially what we were just saying that Sierra Nevada did and look at where they are in as far as craft beer eyes go and don't get me wrong I'm not going to sit here and say Sierra Nevada doesn't sell beer oh like, no oh they sell some know, of it they're they're doing just fine and they don't need our raving endorsement to do it you know they don't care about us uh, here on at the bar podcast telling you that their beer is not that great because <laughs> they don't really give a shit yeah they're making yeah. they're making money True. anyway but yeah. realistically speaking, in the craft beer community, Sierra Nevada is not well thought of. They're not sitting. No one's going, I want to go out and get that Sierra Nevada beer. You know, it's yeah, just they don't have that mystique anymore. And the reason is because they chose to make money rather than make quality beer. And that, you know, Whoa. good for them. Good for them. I, they I always quality, say they, they quality is the wrong traditional word. Route. Traditional yeah. beer. Nothing exciting. They went traditional. Right. I mean, the Pale Ale is a great beer, but it's they nothing make money, like to and write they, home about. They make money because their name is so. Because let's say, let's say, and this is a a conservative estimate. Let's say that sixty percent of their sales. And I remember back when I heard the stat that it was much higher than that. But just to be conservative, let's say sixty percent of their sales are from Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, which, mm-hmm. as many of our listeners are probably thinking right now, have I ever had another Sierra Nevada beer besides Pale Ale? And many. So yeah. imagine that 60% of their sales are Sierra Nevada pale ale. An That's additional 10 to 15% are probably people trying another one of their brands just because they like Sierra Nevada pale ale. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, so like literally, yes, maybe it's only a small, maybe it's a large percentage, but an even more large percentage is, is based off of the reputation of that one brand. Yeah. So, they could build an entire brewery based off the reputation of that one beer. And that's basically what they've done. Yep. Isn't so they that don't crazy need that the rest one of their stuff. Could be over they half don't need the rest of their stuff to be. Holy shit. Boston lager. You know, it's yeah. Sam Adams, Boston lager. Yeah. It's uh, it, what, what's another one. I mean, they all, everybody has them, you know? I mean, stone has their arrogant, ba- oh, not arrogant. Yeah. It's an arrogant bastard. And they're, or their West coast. They're just a stone IPA mm-hmm. or, you know, you have, Cigar City Highlight, they have their own that they probably highlight is probably half of their income, you know, is, is half their money, mm-hmm. I would say. And yeah, they all, they all, have all them. I know, um, Oscar Blues. I remember they Dale said Pale. that Dale's Pale Ale is a, is a basically, you know, that's their big money maker. So everybody has that one, but because you have that guarantee that, like, that's almost your sense of security, that's your safety blanket. Like, as long as you continue making that beer you're probably not going to close your doors. So that gives you the opportunity to do some amazing stuff if you want to. Yeah, exactly. But why not? I mean, don't. craft beer is about creativity just as much as it is quality and, and camaraderie. So fuck, do some crazy shit. Experiment. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But do it. R&D it. So, yeah. Well, speaking what... of crazy shit, you want to talk about that one that we were talking about earlier? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give it to me, Jeff. Lead this one in. <laughs> all right. So, in uh, in crazy beer fashion, as we all know, us dogfish head lovers love the creativity side of just the absolute insanity that sometimes they put out. Well, off-centered beers is their tradition. They have just announced, or maybe not just announced, but it is releasing this month, a beer that is called In Your Mace. And In Your Mace is a beer that is brewed with the active ingredient found in mace pepper spray. (laughs) 
crazy ass mother crazy ass white people <laughs> i love it i think it's I love hilarious it too. i would buy one I'm, I'm buying one i'm i'm for sure buying one although it does look bomber format we should do dude we should when does it come out this month sometime and it doesn't have a date on here let me like see february or march Pouring February and it's February second and third at the Extreme Beer Festival in Boston, but it doesn't say it will be in seven fifty milliliters. I knew it was a fucking bomber. Damn it! That's my only drawback is that I oh I feel like it's gonna be so hot and to have a whole bomber of that is gonna be like higher math awful. Yeah. So, so listen, <laughs> okay. So listen to this though. So the reason that this happened is Sam had. An old high school friend who is like <laughs> the head of a mace security in, is is the head or no, I'm sorry, is the vice president of sales at Mace Security International. Uh-huh. And, it's, and it goes on to say most brewers might not have seen this duo as a collaboration, but in true dogfish head off-centered tradition, they did. Fuck so I love he, it, dude. I so love he it. calls up his buddy, his old high school friend, and is like Hey man, you're doing that mace pepper spray thing, right? Yeah, you want to put that in some beer? <laughs> <laughs> oh god! Like, how is that even a conversation that even thinks Dude, to happen? I fucking love it, and that's why. I mean, that's the prime example of why Dogfishette is my favorite brewery in America. Is just the crazy shit that goes on I in Milton, dude. I love it. Love it. I will be buying a bomber for absolute, sure. Absolute, absolute insanity. So he's so they're they're doing the the quotes about it to brew this beer wearing full body suits face masks braiders. oh my god it is described as a smoky moderately sweet stout okay good, good solid spicy thank god gives off spicy nutmeg anise espresso aromas with a palate warming chili spice so it's not just straight hot it, it does right. it's it's providing you with some other stuff but i would imagine that the chili oils that they're using which is just it's just pure chili oil oh, i believe yeah. is the actual ingredient in mace um my god i mean damn they might as well just put capsaicin in there <laughs> <laughs> so good god so that's badass i will definitely be buying a bottle of that and we should do a, a tasting one of the, the videos you don't even things. like spicy stuff I hate but like i'm stuff. in I'm, I'm, to- I'm totally in <laughs> i gotta i gotta call up derek and and ask him about some insider info on this stuff yeah yeah we got we got derek and but dude that that would make a great video for us for the uh at the bar podcast facebook page oh my god are you kidding me it'll melt our damn faces hey we have an uh, event coming up soon yeah we do we'll, we'll be into that later though <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh you want to do uh dude i'm so pumped I, I i like the fact they did a stout i think that was a good pick for style very good pick for i style. i agree i agree because i was actually going to ask you before we read too far into it i if you were wanted to venture a guess at what style that would be i would have i would have said stout reporter for sure you would have do you yeah. think that's because do you think that's because of the chili stouts that have become a thing like the bombs and the hunapoos and the different three that chili just for whatever reason goes in stout. Yeah. Cause I was I thinking light beer. Oh no. I, I would have done, I would pick dark uh, partially because of that being a thing, but also I feel like a darker beer with the malt build will help hide the heat a little bit more to make it. I mean, they're doing a bomber. 
if you do a bomber and a lighter style, that's going to be so fucking hot. I was thinking, well, one, here's the one thing I'm thinking. The fact that it's only a 5% stout makes me very happy because the the issue getting through that bomber with that with that ingredient in it shouldn't be how drunk am I going to get. It mm-hmm. should just be, can I survive this heat? Sure. <laughs> so, so I'm glad it's only a 5% beer. Um, but what I was, I was thinking something in the Belgian realm. I was either thinking of a Belgian blonde or golden ale uh, was what I was thinking would play with a chili. But I'm glad to see it's not because they added a bunch of other ingredients to it. I'm not a big fan of anise at all. Um, I don't like mm-hmm. that licorice taste. But yeah. in a coffee style drink with a little bit of heat, uh, I could see that playing nicely. Um, yeah. But I was thinking if it was just going to be hot, I was thinking a Belgian golden or Belgian, uh, a Belgian golden or a Belgian blonde. Or actually, I was thinking those damn cheesy ass Berliner Weisses might play no. with a little bit of chili. Come on. But I don't know. Come that on. That was my thoughts. Those were my thoughts. Those were like, I don't know what style it's going to be, but I was thinking oh. something along that line. Um, but I'm glad it's not because as we all know, fans of the show know I am a dark beer drinker and I like my malts. So I'm glad that it ended up in a stout. Yeah. I would have, I would have said stout or porter and then my backup probably would have been a barley wine. One of those, those super heavy uh, dogfish heads beers that he does. Uh, they do very well, like an Oak age barley wine with all that stuff in it. But uh, my only concern is with it being a 5% stout, wonder how thin it's going to be. Hopefully super thin. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully thin hopefully. enough that you can chug the whole thing before the heat makes you shit your pants. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> New beer rectal cleaner. <laughs> it's hot, yo. <laughs> so you want to do the uh, the lawsuit next? Or you want to do the uh, the checked in beers? I feel like let's, we should do the lawsuit next. Yeah, let's do that, and then we'll finish with those checked in yeah. beers. All right. Unless you want, well, yeah, yeah. This no, is well, this is the bigger story, and then yeah, we'll we'll finish with that last yeah, one. It's kind of that will lead into the next episode. I'll wrap up. All right. So wrap, uh, wrap, wrap, this wrap. is this is probably the biggest news of uh, of 2018 so far in craft, and definitely the biggest that we, we've we're covering or have covered so far. Uh, Stone Brewing is suing Miller Coors over the Stone branding, uh, and we're looking on the article here, and the first thing you notice is uh, <laughs> Greg Kosh looks homeless. <laughs> Well, yeah, he looks like God, a <laughs> my goodness, but I feel like that's Fucking his look. Home. Yes, it's very iconic, but he looks like a bum. Uh, so pretty much, it's he. They show yeah. the picture, and it's a sky blue can with stone and big font with light and like a lighter blue font. And I, you know, I, I'm not going to read this whole article, but we all know who's. If you listen to the show, you and you're a fan of the show, you know what stone is, and you've seen probably already heard this article or seen it, but the stone is fucking huge in the can and and rightfully so i think he's suing miller cores well so my my question is keystone light right keystone is are they one are they really trying to actually trick people into believing that keystone fucking garbage ass keystone light has anything to do with stone brewing but the other thing is what why would you get rid of those badass Keith Stone commercials? Oh dude, I like, know God. Keith was the coolest. <laughs> Keith Stone was awesome. Why are you trying to unbrand him? Like you should name the beer, you should change the name from Keystone to Keith Stone. Yeah. Like you should just go all yeah, in yeah, with yeah. Keith. Um but, I agree with you on the Keith Stone commercials. They were the best. Uh 
second to the Budweiser uh, WhatsApp commercials yeah, from the nineties. Those were yeah. the best and still are the best. Throwback. Um, but I think do I think Keystone and Miller Coors is trying to confuse people? Uh no, not fully. Uh maybe like twenty percent. But I think I think majority of it is them just streamlining the brand to making it easily recognizable. Not say Keystone. I, it's I think it's just them trying to rebrand. Honestly, mostly, it's a rebrand because everybody knows that Keystone is like garbage. It's like worse than Bud Light. So they're trying to rebrand well, to make it like worse than Bud Light. Come on, you like Bud Light, <laughs> but they're. They're uh, they're trying to get rid of you know that stigma around them, which just I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get they're, it. They're 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 a clone of Bud Light. Like it literally, it you could change Stone to Bud, and it would look exactly like a Bud Light can. It's the same colors. It's the yeah. same font. It's it's a joke that they think they're going to distance themselves from that stigma of that kind of beer. Um, I honestly think, and this is just me because I, I feel like the way people work is the way people work. I have a feeling that this has been discussed before because in this article it does say that they've had issues over copywriting the word stone. Miller Coors tried yeah. to copyright stone and stone brewing beat them on that. Yeah. And I have a feeling that Miller Coors did this as a direct slap in the face to to stone. Yeah. And they wanted to, they wanted to start some trouble. They wanted to stir some shit up and see if anything would come back. And I think stone took the bait in a weird yeah. way. It's all brands, but it kind of, because stone is the aggressor, in the suing, whether or not you agree with them, which I do, and I think most craft beer people do, the larger portion of the beer community is going to see Miller Coors as the victim getting sued by another brand. And that's, and I think that it's almost genius marketing. It's almost genius marketing. Um, Miller Coors almost as genius. Yeah, almost as genius as having a freaking mulleted Keith Stone tell you to drink Keith Stone. Dilly dilly. They're smart, man. They're got well, all of them are smart. None of them as smart um, as Dilly Dilly. That damn thing. I, the whole dude trademarking makes me so mad because it's gonna come to a point where you can't put jack shit on anything without someone already owning it. So like that, I know is a whole nother topic for another day. Is trademark is getting fucking out of hand. But I don't. I, I kind of like what you're saying, and uh, I don't know. It's I think. I think. Stone is rightfully so in suing Miller Coors, and I do think they will win. Um, oh, they will, they will. I definitely oh, think yeah, they'll win. They um, but at the end of the day, I mean, you know, who who knows what Miller Coors was doing? I mean, they it had to get approved through the through the through the the layers here of, but I don't think I don't think people will get confused of Keystone Light and a fucking devil with stone on it like i just don't and they're gonna be separate parts of the store like they're not gonna put stone brewing next to keystone on the shelf like most uh, you were assume right. not not at total wine or not at abc or fucking they Capture might City. start doing it maybe but, it's alphabetical you know it's <laughs> <laughs> motherfuckers but it's interesting i think i i do yeah dude the more i think about it, i think I, i'm gonna stand with you on on, on millicore's wanting to get sued to make stone uh look bad and to make them be like, oh, well, you know, Big Beer is not that bad. You look at us. We're getting sued by craft. You know, it goes both ways, people. But it, yeah, 
if the story even gets out to that amount of people, yeah. but I don't know if anybody who's drinking Keystone Light is tuning into craft beer news anyway. Yeah. But it just it's one of those things. It's a, it's a question mark of how it you know how it all goes down. Yeah. But I do think they should win. I think it's a direct violation of copyright at the minimum. It it literally just says Stone on the on the can. Well, I think and I Stone think is the full name of the other brewery, so no, you know I think that's it says above it where where his fingers are. I see white lettering. I think it says key, but definitely stone is is the center point of that that label for sure. You are right on that. It does By appear metal and his ring finger. You see, like, stone. Key okay. stone light. Oh, I mean they'll win. I mean, I there's no doubt in my mind they'll, they'll win for uh, uh train or whatever trademark for what the fuck it's called, but. I don't know. I thought it was interesting. Greg Koch looks homeless, and Stone will win, and you know, dilly dilly. <laughs> um, yeah, man. I, I, you know, it's it is what it is. But they'll. He sounds homeless too when you listen to the video. <laughs> they uh, the government needs to get a, a hold of a, a lot of things, but this trademarking shit's fucking ridiculous. Well, one thing at a time. They've got their hands full right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um so last article um i can't get over how homeless he looks uh <laughs> Greg Koch, we love you <laughs> last article uh untapped releases the top 10 most checked in beers of 2017 guess which style dominated i'm gonna skip all the text here because that's irrelevant because we want to get to the top 10 list and boy isn't it interesting it's very interesting i know a couple episodes ago we covered the most checked in beers of 2017 uh the summer of 2017 well we're gonna do all of 2017 for a foreshadowing for our next episode that we're gonna have of the 2017 year review um so let's go in this list jeff top 10 most checked in beers let's start at number 10 by the brewery we were just talking about, Stone Brewing at one hundred, almost 119,000 check-ins. It's their Stone Ripper, a beer I haven't had. All right. That's the, hold, for hold the phone, Mike. Hold the phone. I yeah. can't find this damn article. Uh, are you on the, the Beer Street Journal website? I am, and I'm under the latest news as well. Do uh, Just do a search on the top right, untapped releases. And you, it'll, it'll come up. So the preference with this list in, includes all beer. Macro, import, most checked craft. in beers of 2017. Got yeah. it. So Boom. This, on so it. Done. This isn't just crap. This is all beer checked in via untapped, which is, I guess, the the number one used uh, app for beer drinkers. I guess, I guess that's an accurate statement. Uh, I use it. See. Jeff does not use it. I use, use it. More. it. Then you never drink. I don't actually. I drink only on Sundays. <laughs> been drinking today. <laughs> I've been I've been drinking the last four days. Anyway, so you you, you got the list right. I have it. Yeah, I'm All ready right. to number rock ten. And roll. Stone Brewing Stone Ripper at just under 119,000. I've never had this beer. I actually don't drink Stone at all. Uh, because it's just not my style. They're they're very West Coast and in a lot of their beers, and I we all know I don't like my uh, West Coast IPAs or beers, so I I tend to stray away from them. 
But I'm very surprised Stone Ripper is at number ten out of all the beers. That they're also be uh, they're also a little pricey for what they are. Yeah, that's why I don't really drink. I don't drink a ton of Stone either. I think they have great quality products, but it's just a little pricey for. You know, occasionally I drink a good stone beer if I'm out, but I won't buy the bottles in a, in a liquor store and hold on to them either. So I'll make a quick edit. I did say of all the beers, this is all craft. I just, I should probably read the article more. <laughs> so this is the top 10 most checked in craft beers. I'm sorry. Send your hate mail to at the bar podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> um, so this is all craft beer. So, so still, still at Stone Ripper from Stone Brink being at number 10, still surprised. Yeah. Still very surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I guess we could get in the, the article a little bit later because uh, it does have some interesting points. Number nine from Founders Brewing, their Kentucky Breakfast Stout KBS. This beer is the shit. Yeah, so but I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have put. I mean, yeah, I guess that one. It's just weird. It's a weird. I don't know. I, I guess it's a mainstream one-off, so it makes sense. Now it's so it's at just it's at 120,249 check ins. It's now it was recently released towards the end of last year, a year round beer. Thank God, it's so good. But I'm glad it made it. It's it's one of those beers that is so overlooked, but it's just it's phenomenal. It is, but I've it got is a few of them. slightly surprising. It's on the list considering what's out there, uh, that people can get that's that's considered craft. Um, so uh, I'm glad it made the list. Slightly surprised, not as surprised as Stone though. So number eight, the only Florida beer to make it, and it comes no surprise, with 123,327 check-ins from Cigar City. It's Jialai. Jialai at number eight. Are you surprised? Jialai IPA. I'm not surprised. Great beer. Not at all. Number one IPA in, in the state, you know, as far as distribution and uh, and ratings go. It's a great beer. I'm not particularly fond of it myself, but that's okay. I'm not an yep. IPA drinker, but uh, I completely yeah. understand it. I, I I get it, and I'm not surprised because with their buyout or whatever agreement they have with Oscar Blues, that's expanded a lot of their distribution. So Highlight is in a lot more states, including Colorado, North Carolina, and the neighboring states. And I believe Ohio, Chicago just got Highlight, and I think – dc look highlights is in a lot of places now compared to what it used to be so i'm not surprised uh it's this high uh especially with cigar city's reputation and highlights specifically within cigar city uh it's pretty much been a staple for florida craft for a long time and now that more people can get it it only makes sense that more people check it in so number eight so number seven with 124,724 check-ins from Milton, Delaware, our favorite brewery, Dogfish Head. They're 60-minute. Not surprised at all. Not surprised. That's at seven in the top. I'm seeing a, a, a trend here. <laughs> yeah. The numbers don't lie, do they? Starting, well, I'm just starting to see a trend in styles and such. Yeah. But, yeah, anyway. Um, yeah, I, I, I am a big, big fan of 60-minute IPA. As a non-IPA drinker, this is a beer. One of my favorite Randall's, actually, that we've ever done at, when I did Randall Week at Wab Altamont. We did a Dogfish Head beer tasting, um, and we did 60-minute through white wine-soaked oak chips and pineapple and uh, what kind of hops did I use? 
want to say Centennial Hops. But we randled it through there and poured it off. It was phenomenal. This is a great beer. You could do a lot of cool things with it. You can also just drink it, and that's also cool. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, it's it's a fantastic beer, and, and I'm glad it made the list because we are big dogfish head lovers. And they deserve yeah. it. Absolutely. So coming in at number six with 126,565 check-ins, my biggest surprise on the list coming at number six Me is too. BrewDog's Brewdog's Punk IPA. What the fuck? How is that six? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I can't even find it anywhere right. I go. Who, who, who can get it? I, I don't, don't know. <laughs> I don't recall. We had it at WAB. I don't recall selling a whole lot of it. Um, so I don't. It's it's bizarre that it made it on the list. I don't think a ton of people were really drinking it. And I thought they rebranded that beer. Dude, there's brew dogs up to some but crazy shit sometimes about like people buying into ownership and a bunch of shit. I don't. They're an interesting brewery. Yeah. I don't. I, they seem to continue to stay relevant despite ever doing anything that would make them stay relevant. So I don't know. But anyway, hey, we either Tokyo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we did check it out on uh, Facebook at the Bar Podcast on the Facebook page videos there. Um, and I might put it on their website. I should probably put it on their website. We'll 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 get there. Um, I'm yeah, I'm surprised. That has to be like they don't say if it's all like domestic check-ins, but I'm assuming uh Dog is very big overseas, preferably in like Scotland and England, to where where that's where they're headquartered. So, I mean, that's the only thing logical thing I could think of to why they're number six. Anyway, moving on. Coming at number five with a big gap, almost twenty thousand more check-ins at 145,174. New Belgium fat tire. Little surprise. No surprise. A slight surprise. No surprise. But not even a little surprise. Do you think fat? I mean, clearly fat tire still holds its weight. The only uh, surprise actually is that the next beer is above this one. Yeah. Well, but that that surprises me, but no, I'm not surprised at all. Uh, Fat Tire is like the amber. That's the Belgian amber. I mean, it's the amber. It's the it's the beer that's on in every fucking bar you ever go into. Yeah, you know, like fucking everywhere. Everybody has Fat Tire. I have Fat Tire. Yeah, I only have six taps, and I have Fat Tire. <laughs> yeah, no yeah, surprise. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you're right. It's man, their sales department is fucking killing it. Having Fat Tire fucking everywhere. Yeah, well, their sales department's killing it too because number four is also New Belgium. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So number four is New Belgium. Uh, at, uh, another big gap. This one's at so, uh, Fat Tires at one hundred forty-five thousand. This next one's at one hundred sixty-one thousand eight hundred twenty-two from New Belgium. It's their Voodoo Ranger IPA. Now, before you get into what you think, I am not surprised because my highest selling craft beer in my store is. All the variations, including the original Voodoo Ranger. Ranger. Really? Through so much Voodoo Ranger. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. That's a see, that's so all the variations. The Voodoo Ranger 8 Pale, the Voodoo Ranger Imperial, the Voodoo Ranger uh, Juicy, whatever. Like, all of them. We fly through all of them. Hmm. And I had it a long time ago, and I fucking hated it hated it it was one of, it was in my top five worst beers i've ever had and since <laughs> then it's been like seven years and i haven't had it since you better try it again because apparently well, it's awesome i'm gonna have to try it again because it's number four 
But well, just because it's been checked in a lot doesn't mean that it's any good. That doesn't That's say true. any quality check-in. It means people are buying it, though. Right. Of untapped users. So I'm not surprised from the sales end, from the retail sales end, just because my little store goes through so much of it. It's kind of like, you know, if I'm going through so much of it, it has to. Everybody know, else must be, too. So. Yeah, everyone else must be. So I'm not surprised. What do you think? Uh, I mean, yeah, you know, maybe it's uh, maybe I'm an on-premise drinker you know i'm I'm a bar restaurant you're a package store so yeah, maybe it's more premise. of a package yeah uh, it, it very well could be it, it i could see that being like the household ipa you know what i mean like yeah. i could see that being you grab a six pack or you grab a 12 pack or whatever and you take it home and that's your beer after you get home from work that's a totally different style of beer you know what i mean like yeah when i go out to a bar versus when i'm at home and just relaxing I'm craving two completely different things. So to me, that's a surprise, but it very well could just be your average IPA drinkers go to beer. Yeah. So no surprise, no surprise there. So coming at number three with 176,391, no surprise here. This is a longtime staple of all beer drinkers. Uh, It's the Yingling traditional lager. They're, they're a flagship beer not surprised so good i'm surprised it's at number three and the two other beers ahead of it beat it but i'm not surprised it's in the top three or even top five it's just dude og man it's still so good yeah i had one the other day i was like why why don't i drink these more (laughs) (laughs) and the fact they're in a they're in a a glass bottle now they're doing cans but thank god they're doing uh, amber and Lo- amber lager it's a nice little nice little beer yeah. i'm a fan so not much to say with the yingling and we've all had it it's oh it's it's good so coming in at number two with 186,599 check-ins out of bell's brewery out of kalamazoo michigan it's they're two-hearted not surprised at all there that's that beer is also very og that's pre-highlight og and one of the staples of the ipa category Still, and and one of those rare, rare beers that transcends the hierarchy of how experienced you are in drinking. That day one IPA drinker and that day one hundred IPA drinker still love Two Hearted. So that's yep. that yep. is the thing that they've excelled at most is they've made it just complex enough that your enthusiasts will really still drink it but just easy enough that anybody can drink it. So they've, yep. they've done a killer job with that beer. Now, do, are you a fan of the two hearted? I am. Absolutely. If, okay, if as a non IPA drinker, that is one of the very few, uh, there's probably a handful of IPAs that I actually genuinely, um, and if I see them on tap, I'll order them. I actually just had two IPAs tonight. Uh, the walking tree, white IPAs. They're okay. fantastic. They're too, They're so good. <laughs> they're just amazing. But, too hearted is one of them. They're, that makes my short list of IPAs that Same. of of ones that if I see it on tap, even if I'm not in the mood for an IPA, it's just such a good beer that I'll order it. Yep, we agree on a lot of things. It's it's yeah. scary. Yeah. yeah. So coming in at number one, this is I guess this isn't a surprise with with it placing very high in the summer with 193,988 so just shy of 194,000 check-ins from Founders Brewing their all-day IPA at one summer and at one the year 
Congratulations. Get, Founders know, all day. I don't get it. Who was that person that said session IPAs were dead? Me. <laughs> I knew. I knew that. <laughs> nice. But they're not they dead. Sh- they're apparently. Well, this is not branded as a session IPA. It's branded as an all day. All IPA. day IPA. Well, uh, yeah. Tomato, tomato. But, but it's I mean, on, on the can man. it says session IPA. It's like 3.4%. Like, uh, I'm a little surprised. I'm not really surprised. I'm more like disappointed. Because you were wrong? No, I'm disappointed because, like, that's such an unexciting. And I thought, like, I genuinely thought that's a dead brand. Like, I like I don't know anyone who drinks all day still. Or I, I don't know anyone who really drinks all day that ever really drank all day. I, yeah. I remember when Session IPAs really took off that all day sold relatively well. But, like. That wasn't even the best-selling session IPA back when session IPAs were big. So I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Yeah, I don't even think it's that good of a beer. Uh, <laughs> so really? I, okay, that's interesting. I'm, I haven't had it all day in a long time, but it's a good beer. I thoroughly enjoy see, it. But listen to that sentence. I haven't had an all day in a long time. Why is this beer the number one checked in beer? Nobody's had it in a I long know, time. Apparently, one hundred ninety-four thousand people had it. Uh, or assuming you know whatever, but it's. I think session IPAs are on. On I think the style has its own right to exist. It has a very niche market. I think it has a it has a place at the table. Um, and I would like to see more session IPAs come back. It's just the problem is is that they're still being brewed. There's just not a lot of breweries are canning them. They're just canning shit fucking Tygoza or whatever the fuck nasty ass whatever. You know, so it's it's session IPAs aren't seeing the light of day in terms of distribution uh, packaging. But, you know, breweries are still brewing them. And, you know, I think the lower ABV uh, drinks, beers, you know, malt liquors, whatever, I think is starting to make a climb. And I think leading that climb is the hard hard seltzers, you know, the hard waters, the white claws, you know, you know, and that's leading the the charge of low abv drinks making a, a steady climb within the market and that's a good thing because that's more money for everybody that's more beers i'm having to drink to get drunk it's i'm winning because everything's you know still flavorful it's at a good price point and you know the businesses are winning because more people are having to buy them because they're low abv you're getting more out of, you get your tabs are getting bigger your Classic average sale win 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 it's a win 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 so I, I would like to see uh i would uh, personally i would love to see more session ipas in the market Obviously good ones, but I would not. And here's my one and overlying only reason for that is there's too many goddamn IPAs in the market. <laughs> That's it. I don't want to see more sessions because I, I don't want to see more IPAs in general. I want to see less IPAs. I want to see breweries that are only making IPAs close their damn doors. I'm tired of it. Like we have too many of these things, man. I, I there's like 86,000 IPAs. I know. And they're all in cans. <laughs> and they're all mediocre. <laughs> like, I agree with you 100%, but the facts don't lie. Is the fact that, dude, this shit still, still sells, man. It's still the number one style by a ton. And it's, I agree with you. I want pastry stouts all day. <laughs> or, or, I don't even want that. I just liars. want solid style beers that, like, aren't 
identical clones of mediocrity from the other place down the street. Yeah, I, <laughs> I just, yeah, I want you know what I want. I want to go to a brewery for the first time in two years. I want to go to a brewery where mo- less than half of their beers are IPAs. Yeah, well, don't come to mind. That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, and and you're in Jupiter, so you're right there in the uh, one of the meccas of of the IPA business. Just one, just one mecca of the cloning the same beer and calling it something yeah, different every day. Yeah, I know. But it's, it's, you know, it's one of those things. It's just reinforces the fact that the IPA is still King style. It's still the King of, of styles for craft beer. And no matter how much they put out, how much they, no matter how much they add goddamn grapefruit, tire seeing that shit too, or blood orange or orange, like give me something weird. Give me like a guava IPA or a, I don't know something. Now we got sour IPAs, and that makes me sad. But they still—you can have eighty-six thousand IPAs, and they all sell. That's what's fucking crazy about it. So it's. <laughs> I'm like I'm like depressed because you're right. I know like I'm right. making me upset. Yeah, I'm sorry. Well, guess what? UCF is still national champions. Hell yeah, they are. <laughs> So what Jeff mentioned earlier, we do have a, a very big event, and I don't have all the details quite yet at the date of this recording, but hopefully sometime soon, very soon, that we'll have the full details. So on March 31st, we have been graciously invited to the Barrel Monks anniversary party. Uh, they, boop, boop, boop. we, uh, <laughs> woo, 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 woo. they, um, listen to the episode. They, everyone loved it. They loved it so much that they were like, Hey, you guys. We want you guys to come down for our anniversary party and do another episode and create more content because we loved what you did and, and for us and everything else. So me, Jeff, uh, Cassie will also be there. Uh, we will be at Barrel of Monks on their anniversary party, which is March 31st. So be sure to buy your tickets and come by and, and find us. We will be wearing At The Bar Podcast merch uh, and come by. And I don't know, they were, they were talking about doing a Facebook live stream. Uh, they were talking about doing an entirely an, an, an episode yeah. like 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 we normally do. We haven't we done have, a Facebook Live one ever, so ever. that'll be fun. Well, that'd be interesting and slightly stressful for me, but that's okay. So, but we we're we're talking with Zach, who was on the Barrel Monks episode about what they want and what you know what we can do and kind of iron things out. So we will be there for sure. It's 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 solidified. It's in concrete. It's happening March thirty first at Barrel Monks Brewing in Boca Raton. At the bar podcast will be there in its entirety. Both handsome hosts, myself and Jeff and Cassie, the podcast triangle will be there. So yeah, just come by and meet us. We'll, we'd love to uh, have you guys on the show and talk and ask you questions and tr- sample all the different bel- bar- uh, barrel of monks beers and kind of have a great time. Plus, even if you hate us, you got to try their beer because it's just yeah. incredible. Yeah. Hate us, but they got good beer. But anyway, yeah, March 31st, Barrel of Monks Brewing in Boca Raton. It's their, oh, man, either their third or fourth anniversary. I can't remember which one. But it's going to be there. It's going to be great. Uh, we're going to have a good time, and we would love to meet as much as you as possible. So be sure to come by and hang out with us for a little bit or all day, whatever you want to do. That's cool with us. So there's that. So anyway, I think it's a good time to wrap up. Uh, we want to give you. I want to give you another preview for the next episode. This could be a special one. We will be doing our 2017 craft beer in review 
Uh, so we, me and Jeff and maybe some other special guests will join the Google Hangouts video chat and talk about uh, craft beer in 2017. So this is going to be a different format than the 2016. Uh, instead of doing categories, uh, I have decided, or Jeff and I have decided to do more of a discussion-based just because uh despite that episode being one of our best in terms of downloads and and, and reviews and whatnot it, it got a little much got a little mundane a little bit at times so uh i would definitely want to keep it a discussion based uh with talking about the tampa market orlando south florida florida crafts and and, and kind of talk to the people who you know not only drink it like us but you know live in it so that will be the next episode that we do. So stay tuned for that. That's going to be a fucking legit. I am so excited for that to happen. Uh, it's one of my favorite episodes uh, that we do. Uh, and definitely one I, I really look forward to. So uh, there's that. That will be next episode, whatever number that is. So uh, keep an eye out for that. And that's all I got to say, Jeff. What you got going on? What do you want to say? Plug it. That's it. That's it, man. You You covered it. You got it all. Awesome. Keep tuning so, in, guys. Keep listening to us. Keep following what we're doing. Come out to the events we're going to. We'll have a lot of fun. Yeah. So, as always, check us out at atthebarpodcast.com for all of our merch. We got two shirts, everybody. We got our Sider Chug Club shirt, our CCC member shirt. And we also have the Quality Over Everything shirt, which is my new favorite and definitely uh, a shirt that everyone needs to have if you like craft beer. Quality Over Everything. So that is that at the bar podcast.com. We are also on Facebook. Just search at the bar podcast. That's four separate words at the bar podcast. We were on Twitter with the at symbol, the bar podcast. We are also on Instagram at the bar podcast, all one word. So we were there. Feel free to check us out on the website. Contact us on the website. We reply to all the emails and hit us up on all the social media and talk to us and have a conversation. Tag us uh that's super cool and we love uh, seeing that stuff from everybody so once again i am mike that's jeff and thank that's you me. that's jeff and thank you for listening to another episode of at the bar podcast we will see you at the bar peace